One year ago, when we conceived the idea of Knit a Spell as a podcast, the amount of knowledge I knew about podcasting was none. <laughs> Luckily, my brother is a professional podcaster. His name is Greg Rempe, and he's the host of the Barbecue Central show. And he's exactly the reason why we look and sound so good. So who belts better to have on one of our anniversary episodes than the man who helped make this all happen? Greg Rempe. Yay! Light from Lantern presents. Knit a spell. I'm magical maker, Katie Rempe. And I'm the maker of magic, James Devine. Join us as we stitch together the symbiotic relationship between crafting and the craft. Welcome, I'm glad Greg. you got my last name right. People <laughs> hardly ever do that. Thank you. It's very similar to mine, so yeah. I felt like if, if I don't get it right, who could? How do people mispronounce it? <laughs> well, they put K's in it. What? <laughs> they leave the E enunciation off and call oh, it Ramp. Yeah. Ramp. yeah. Now, Ramp used to be a nickname in high school, but that's just fun. But otherwise, like a new person reading my name, it's either getting a K, Ramp key. I don't know why. Or it's Ramp. Or oh. Rample or you name it. But it's, it seems it appears visually easy, but orally, it's very hard. Well, I'm thrilled to have you here, Greg. Uh, your feedback and your help and support with our podcast has been invaluable. You know, when someone can give you uh, critical feedback and then it helps you and moves you along, you know, I feel like that's like the greatest form of love. And I have learned so much by listening to your podcast. Jim, I really appreciate your kind words. And if I could, I also have a big thank you to Jim in regards to piquing my interest in crafting of all things, believe it or not, specifically knitting. So this past weekend, what <laughs> I went to Joanne Fabrics and you know what I bought? I bought a big ass skank of yarn. And I sliced that skank up. I hooked that skank. I purled that skank. No one has ever put it to a skank like I did last weekend. And I have Jim to thank for all of that skankness. So yes. Jim, you're my new bestie for the resty. I really appreciate <laughs> Oh my God. You really skanked it up this weekend. I'm really right. proud. Wow. Of, of all the great episodes that I've listened to from Knit a Spell, that one is seared, pun intended, <laughs> into my brain. <laughs> it was excellent. Yes, indeed, yep. indeed. Some of your mm -hmm. finer work. So, Greg, you have been in the podcasting biz for a hot minute. Uh, in fact, so long that I don't think it was called podcasting when you originally started. I just remember it being as part of a, quote, internet radio show and having to try to explain that to people. And no, no, it's not on the terrestrial radio. Like, you don't listen in your car yet. It's on your computer. You listen on your computer. People were like, what? So that was like 2000 and six when I started. So it's been a wow. while, as you mentioned. Ooh. And there weren't a lot of people doing it. It was actually called podcasting back then. I think uh, Adam Curry from MTV might be credited with having the very first podcast ever. Um, I know Katie doesn't remember who that is, but Jim, you might remember who Adam yeah. Curry is. So for sure, that's where it all started. So when I got into barbecue, I was learning quite a bit from an online resource called virtualweberbullet.com, which was specifically made for the cooker that I had, and I didn't know how to use it. So I was gaining all this great knowledge. I was also learning how to have relationships now online with a bunch of other people that had common interests. And then I was asking so many questions that the moderator of the 
forum said, hey, you're asking too many questions. And I said, I don't even know what that means. So I started my own <laughs> forum um, all the way. So this was probably more 2004. And it ended up growing into one of the more heavily trafficked barbecue and grilling forums at the time. That was the real cool technology back then was being able to go somewhere and post a question and get somebody to answer you back. And then there was an onslaught of forums. So to separate, I had heard about this podcasting. I decided to get into it, but it was really more of me interviewing members of my forum and talking about what their favorite parts of that were and what do they cook on. And it was very forum based. Mm -hmm. And then there was, so this is 2006 to around 2008 that I was doing that. And then in 2008, there seemed to be a real big run on people doing barbecue podcasts. So to re-separate again, I wanted to do a live show. I found a guy through Craigslist online in LA who was opening an internet radio station that Katie had referenced. And I reached out and said, hey, I've been doing a barbecue podcast for two years. And I think I could do once a week a show for about an hour. And I had to do some pretty hard convincing because he thought I would be running out of things to talk about after two weeks. He gave me a shot. We figured out the technology on how he could connect from LA into me in Cleveland and then redistribute it over his audio servers. And that's how the show went for any number of years. And eventually we separated. I added a second hour and I've progressed in sound and tech and all that other stuff there. But that's really the genesis of the show. So the live show started in 2008. And uh, just this past February, we celebrated the entrance into our 14th year of live shows. Wow. wow. We. Oh, yeah. my gosh. <laughs> I just remember years. Yeah. I remember listening in college and like calling in. It's been really amazing to watch and super inspiring because you went after all these opportunities. People didn't come knocking at your door. You approached this guy and were any of his other shows people who were remote? No, everybody else lived in LA and went to a studio. See, there you go. Forging the way ever, ever more. And you didn't start with video with your podcast, right? That was added later. Yeah, it was all an audio show. That's all I ever wanted. And then through getting some emails from listeners saying, oh, you should add a camera. And I said, well, it's going to look like a guy talking into a microphone, but they kept coming in. So I added a camera and much like the show originally started, sounded like crap. I was crap. There was a lot of crap. When we added video, looked like crap. And it took a while to get it to where it looks like today, where it's kind of a video production as well. But if I had to give one or the other up, I would give video up in a second. It, yeah. Audio is the way the show was born. It's what I love. When I watch my show back, there's plenty of times I hate everything about it. And then I'll listen to the show, the same show. I'll listen to it in my car driving to work. And I love it because it's theater of the mind. I can think about how my face looks or what my guest is saying and what his reaction is like. I don't have to actually see it being chronicled in front of me on video. I can just use my mind to do that. And it's much right. more fun and entertaining for me. And I always tell people, thank you for watching. I would rather you just listen. It's much better that way. Yeah. Greg, I want to go back to something that you said, which is at the beginning, it sounded like crap. It was crap. The content the was crap. <laughs> content was crap. Yes. And you stuck with it. And there's something that is very similar. Well, the same really with any craft that we do. What do you say to people who kind of burn out or stop doing something or give up? What kept you in it? I think I got into it 
with not a lot of other competition or shows to gauge how much I sucked. <laughs> there was nobody doing it in the live fire space. That's not true. There was one other guy who probably should be in the barbecue hall of fame with how successful his forum was. And he was the first barbecue person I heard do a podcast. And it's funny that you mentioned this, Jim, now that I'm thinking about it, he was my inspiration to go, that guy really sucks ass. There's no way I can be as bad as him. So I'm going to go ahead and try a barbecue podcast. So I knew I would be better than that guy right off the bat. However, the other side of it is uh, ignorance is bliss. Mm. I can look back now, 14 years later to the first podcast I did, which was done through some weirdo phone conferencing. So everybody sounded like they were on a phone because everybody was on a phone. (laughs) And now I have microphones and voice processors and all this other stuff to make me sound professional. But when I was doing them then, I didn't know I was that bad. It took me a year later or three years later or 10 years later to go back and listen to those old shows and go, wow, I really sucked bad back then. But I didn't know any better. And nobody was there to say, hey, you suck. Stop doing that. They do it now because I have a much bigger following and people want to bust balls. (laughs) Back then, nobody could tell me I sucked because nobody knew if it sucked. That's right. (laughs) And everybody sucked at that same level. Yes, too. right. Yeah. I mean, it's just so much easier now. Like YouTube wasn't as big of a thing back then as it is now. You can go on YouTube or Google now and say, how do I start a podcast? And it's all laid out for you. I didn't have right. any plan yeah. laid out for me. If I ran into somebody that sounded better than me or sounded like they did a better show than me, I would wrangle them down and say, hey, tell me everything you're doing. How do you, how do you sound like this? Why do you sound like this? How are you editing? Where are you putting it? Blah, blah, blah. And sometimes they would tell me and sometimes they wouldn't. Every bit of information that I could glean from somebody that I thought was doing better for me, I would listen and then add it into my show. And why did I keep doing it? Because I really liked the topic I was covering. So whether it sucked or not, I was still passionate enough about the topic to want to continue to cover it. There you go. That's the secret, people. You got to love what you're doing. So a lot of people, especially launched recently, they're not doing this as their full-time job. Mm -hmm. Did you have a job when you were doing this? Do you have one now? Yeah. So uh, I still have a day job. When I started, I I had a job. But soon after I launched the podcast, so that would have been around 2004, I went into what's called forced retirement. You were promoted to customer for someone. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. That's right. (laughs) I was now within a 24-hour time span, uh, my primary caregiver to my three very young daughters at the time. My wife went to work full-time and that ended up turning into like a four-year jaunt and I both hated it and loved it. I hated it because I wasn't the one making the decision to leave work. And I loved it because how many dads do you know maybe it's a little bit now uh, different nowadays but you know back then how many dads do you know that were home full time yeah. taking care of their kids there were a lot of things that i experienced that a lot of the dads didn't get to experience see things mm-hmm. happen for the first time or help them you know i learned how to do girls hair and i learned how to do nail painting and all this other stuff that i never thought i would do because i'm there and what are you going to do to pass the time so I, I would cool. work on the show when I could, and then I would care for the girls. And so that's, you know, the, the love and the hate there. 
as far as today, yeah, still have a job. It has nothing to do with the live fire world. I'm the major accounts rep for a Peterbilt dealer here in Ohio. Peterbilt's like the big trucks you see on the road. Mm. And I make sure that the two don't cross over each other because I like to do both and I'm good at both. And oh, by the way, I really like to make all of the money that I can. So since I can make money from my podcast and I can make money from my job and they don't cross over or impact each other, I can do that as well. So that's awesome. Yeah. Have your cake and eat it too. Why not? Have two cakes, actually. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. And eat off of both of them. Yes. We're letting people in this show behind the scenes. The crafting that we're talking about in this show is podcasting itself. So when you consume podcasts, I mean, I assume that you listen to other podcasts. Oh, yes. What other podcasts do you listen to? What catches your attention? As far as what makes a podcast good, if you want to cover that. That too. As far as what I listen to, I subscribe to all, all of the barbecue and grilling podcasts to see what else is happening out there and to see where everyone else is stacking up against me because I'm very competitive when it comes to this space. I also do it to seek out potential new guests slash contributors to my show if somebody's really good. Um, I have a recurring guest every month now who has a competing or barbecue-related podcast. When I started listening to him, I was like, hey, he's into some other things that I'm not. He brings a, a fresh perspective on a lot of things. We disagree on a lot of things. We also agree on a lot of things. He would be a great person to mix in with some of these other guys that I have on monthly for my embedded correspondence. And he's you know, worked with me for a number of months now. So I'm not just trying to gauge where my show sits in the realm of other barbecue podcasts, but I'm also looking for something that might bring value to my show and then in essence, bring value to my listeners. Um, other topics that I'll listen to podcast related are, I love anything that has to do with Mafia or Cosa Nostra of course, and uh, sports slash business related podcasts I'll subscribe to. But, you know, a lot of my time is spent listening to other live fire shows. What do you look for? Things that make a podcast unlistenable for me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be lackluster content coupled with poor audio. That makes me unsubscribe or not subscribe if it's just a click in to see if I want to. Hmm. That that will make me either unsub or or not sub very, very quickly. To me, what makes a good podcast, as we circle back to what makes me unsub or not sub, content. Hmm. Content is king. As I yes. told you before we started recording, I will suffer through a technically poor podcast if the content outshines the deficiencies. But for me, that's far and few between. But there are some out there, as I had mentioned, and sometimes I'm compelled enough to reach out to those folks and say, hey, I know you're new. I've gone through these learning curves. I want to help you because your content is so good, but you sound like such shit. Let's fix that because that's easy. You've got the hard part aced. The content's good, you know, just like you and Kate. Making you sound good was easy, but you have the wherewithal and the expertise and the content to really keep people a subscribing and then coming back and listening. So that's very important. Uh, Obviously, as I mentioned, audio quality is directly after content. And again, it's so easy to sound good these days and you don't have to be an audio wizard to do it. 
Right. And I got into this in 2006, as I was mentioning, you know, there was no one to lean on for assistance. There was a lot of trial and error. It was a lot of, I sound really good this week until I found something else to do the following week. And then I sounded better the following week. Those are like my two biggest things. Uh, and, and they're kind of interrelated. What makes me listen and what makes me not want to listen, they're both tied together. As a consumer of podcasts, I'm curious. I've certainly heard some interesting ad reads. Have you heard any interesting ad reads you'd like to share? For my show, it's when an advertising partner will allow me to write the copy because they get the show's comedy and sarcasm. And they just want me to mention a couple bullet points or just important things. But then they'll let me creatively write out copy that I can use on the show. Because in the barbecue world, there are so many double entendres your head would spin. And why not make good use of them while promoting a product or service? It's fun. It's exciting. It's the internet. It's not FCC regulated. Um, otherwise, there's this podcast called Going Deep with Chad and JT. And they have really good reads with a company called Manscaped. And so they're dropping lots of dong and ball references all over the place. Mm, yes. And if you're a perpetual 12-year-old like me, it's always funny no matter what. So The knitting and magic world, I hate to say, uh, are not without their double entendres, too. Mm. If you don't think I've made ball jokes, like you're sorely mistaken. Okay, well, I think we should take a break. Yes, we'll take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll wrap up our second half and take a look at Greg's hands. Stick around. Hey, Knit a Spell listeners, it's Katie. Are you interested in a new knitting pattern that will help you knit with intent? Well, then get ready, because the self-love cowl has arrived and kits are available from UU Yarns. Whether you're knitting for self-love, abundant luck, healing comfort, joyous empowerment, or even robust romance, there's a colorway option for you. Go ahead and check out all of the options of this fun and interesting cowl that you can knit with intent to have a little magic worn around you at all times. It also makes a great gift. Whether you're knitting one for yourself, knitting one for a friend, or simply looking to learn more, you can do so by visiting lightfromlantern.com. Happy knitting, magical makers. I don't think a lot of people necessarily think of getting a palm reading. I know there's a lot of things on the palm that people yeah. think are good or bad, right? There's nothing inherently negative in your palm. You can use all the tools, all the markings. They are associated with your strengths, your personality, and things you can use in your life. I think everyone would enjoy a reading from you and... Dear listener, if you too would like a fantastic experience that offers insight, direction, and clarity, I highly suggest booking a session with my dear friend, James Devine, and you can find more information at thedivinedhand.com. And we're back. I want to know, Greg, what kind of a woo-woo person are you? Like, what, what degree of woo might you say woo are? So on a scale of zero... To a hundred, I'm zero. <laughs> zero. <laughs> I don't think so. Both witchy stuff and religion stuff. I hate to say this. Life happens and then you die. And many people seem to be afraid of that, but I'm not. We have very open discussions in my house. And aside from the kids having endless nightmares, everything's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it doesn't seem like life is without meaning. Otherwise, why would we be grilling delicious meats? I believe that you get up every day and what you should be doing is being a good human, 
treating people right, being honest, being loyal, yes. all the the virtues, if you will, and enjoy your days here. I mean, go to bed. Yeah. If you think at the end of the day, you know, I regret doing this thing or that thing. Well, tomorrow, wake up, maybe try and repair that or whatever you did. Don't do that again. So you don't go to bed regretting stuff because yeah. you might not wake up the next day. And yeah, then yeah. you've ended your life on regret. Nobody wants that. You know, I love this. If I, 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 had, I saw this idea or I heard this idea from someone that if you need a religion or something to have you be not be an a-hole, <laughs> then you probably are a total a-hole. Like, <laughs> the, something about like an atheist ethic, which is kind of countercultural in a lot of ways, since we're in a sort of Christian culture, there's yeah. something really beautiful about like, Live your life like this is it. Yeah. Instead of living your life like you can have some sort of redemption or redo it, you know, living your life on credit as though mm. you can somehow get forgiven or something. No. What if you couldn't live your life on credit and you had to actually pay your debts every day? If I came up and insulted you today, well, then tomorrow I got to come up and apologize or do something to make amends because there is no credit. The forgiveness I need doesn't come from some magical place. It comes from me coming up to Greg and saying, I was in a really bad spot. That was no excuse for me to insult you. I apologize. How can I make amends? How can I make this better? That's a super powerful ethic. I, I would like to say for any of the fans that are down with religion, if you're doing it, well, I guess what I would call for the right reasons, um, you, it's something you believe in. You're passionate about it. You subscribe to whatever nonsense is going on there. Fine. If you're doing it because you're scared you're going to go to hell, you're a dummy. And you're not doing it for the right reasons. You need to look into how you're living your life and be a better person. I, I'm all for believing in a cause or, or believing in, in something, um, if that's your deal. But I think to be living in fear, that's... That's a little troubling for me. For sure. Yeah. You know. yeah. Yes. I think there's a lot of uh, witchy people that would totally agree with the power that mainstream religions have over us. And one of the one of the main motivators that many of my witchy peers have of leaving mainstream religion, especially Christianity, is that power and control and the lies and, and the sort of the things that don't line up with what it means to be a good person. And yet like the lack of love and acceptance that exists in religion mm -hmm. um, and finding that there's a personal uh, realization or a personal discovery in meaning and in how life sort of works. Here's what the nuance that I want to ask you. What about when I say woo woo, I want to know about intuition. What is your take on that kind of thing? Regardless of the existence of a, of a God or a higher yeah. power. I think to me, when I think about intuition, uh, I also examine it in a form of, are you doing that because at the moment you think you're being intuitive, is there a gained experience from the past that is now giving you that intuitive thought in your mind? Well, I'm going to go left or uh, these people coming up to me looked like they might be unsavory. Well, maybe two months ago, you got the shit kicked out of you downtown. <laughs> And they looked similar or there was a similar walk to them or they just back then you thought, eh, I better not do that. And you did it anyway. So now you're not going to make that same mistake. I think just like cooking, 
you're making changes on the fly. You're lowering the temperature. You're going to pull the steak off um, a little sooner than you did the last time. So you don't overshoot on your internal temperatures. These are all things you've learned. And it seems intuitive now because it's all uh, a learned process from past experience. Like an unconscious baked in thing that I might not Mm. notice. Yeah. I see. Going back to like the podcast part, um, have you ever maybe had like, whether it's from past experience or not, a feeling on like a a guest or something where you're like, oh, I talked to the person and got them on, but I kind of felt like, "Mm, I don't know about this person. In regards to interviewing, I, so I, I prepare an outline, but I don't really treat it as firm concrete. Um, mm. There have been plenty of times when I've started down an outline, but the guest has answered a question. And it makes me think of off-the-cuff follow-up questions. And then that spawns a whole other line of questioning. And maybe we never get back to the points on the original agenda. And um, I think active listening plays a really big part in how that interview is going to diverge from an outline. Mm. Um, as far as guests that I thought one thing or another, I try and remain pretty impartial I'll get a lot of feedback from folks, especially if it's a, a big name or, you know, I don't know what that means to anybody these, uh, anymore these days. But this past February, like just last month, I did an interview with the CEO of Traeger Grills, Jeremy Andrews. Uh, this is a publicly traded company. It's got a valuation of $3 billion. The guy himself has enormous personal financial wealth, like many hundreds of millions of dollars. And he was actually the original founder of skull candy like earphones i don't know if you remember oh, those things before oh, yeah, he yeah. bought into traeger so i thought the interview was going to be you know more of a dud than i thought was going to be a success i'd thought about canceling it a number of times leading up to the actual segment and i also thought that the guest was going to cancel last second i was planning for that i had a backstop guest because i knew this guy was like uh I'm just way too busy to sit down for this guy's stupid online show and have him grill me about nonsense. And I was expecting, you know, hours leading into it that this guy was going to cancel. Much to my surprise, I didn't cancel. He doesn't cancel. He shows up, does two segments. And aside from a few legal questions, he answered everything that I asked him. And many feel that this was one of the best interviews I've done to date in 14 years of live show. So it was a nice mix of background on the guest and how he got into business and promotion of the products and stuff. Probably one of the best interviews I'll definitely do this year. See, That's you just really never cool. know. Yeah. There are competitions, barbecue competitions. Yeah. Do people ever have their little lucky things? I just see all those 10 by 10 tents. I see everyone barbecuing outside at a barbecue competition. And I'm just imagining that like so-and-so from Louisiana has his lucky, you know, chicken foot or so-and-so has their like certain rub. Got to do three shots to start it off or something. Yeah, Yeah, Or whatever their good luck charm or their type of mojo thing that people might do to try to win. It's funny that you mentioned specifically the word mojo. So there's a lady by the name of Melissa Cookston, who is the pit master of a competition team called Yazoo's Delta Q out of, uh, where are they at? Uh, Mississippi, I think. That sounds right. And uh, she's a barbecue hall of fame uh, pit master. She was inducted a handful of years ago. She's the winningest woman on the competition circuit. Wow. There's a competition in May every year called Memphis in May, and it's huge, huge. Um, 
She won it four years in a row. Wow, cooking whole hog. And Jeez. the first year of the four, she came on my show for the first time, and she was like, like this was on a Tuesday, and Memphis in May was that weekend coming up, and she won. And then she came on the Tuesday before the following year, and that following weekend she won again, and we did it again for the third year. And then all of a sudden she's like, "Well, I can't go into Memphis in May without coming on your show the Tuesday before because I just win every time I do it." So she was convinced until the fifth year when she didn't win that part of her winning had nothing to do with cooking. It had to do with showing up on the show on Tuesday, getting what she called the Barbecue Central Show mojo, and then carrying that over through the weekend where she would win. 100%. That was a real thing. Also, a fake slash real thing is something that I put out there and I have done it for as long as the show has been going on, which is the Barbecue Central Show Karma which means if you're a pit master, there was a time when my show was really heavily competition focused because it was really popular all around. That sense died off, but it was all big Barbie Central Show Karma. So a pit master would show up on a Tuesday. They would go compete on, uh, over the following weekend and then they would win. Now, a lot of them would come on. They would not win. But I would always look for the ones that went on and then I would point it out top of the show that following week going, oh, by the way, so-and-so showed up on this uh, on the show Tuesday. They won, competed over the weekend, and they won. Barbecue Central Show Karma it never doesn't work, and it was a play it up, you know, the whole thing. Yeah. But yeah, and then as far as rituals, I know for a fact that there's a large contingent of pitmasters that show up at any Kansas City Barbecue Society event. And 11 o'clock before turn-in start on a Sunday, everybody gets together for the communal shot of liquor. <laughs> And sometimes it's five people. And sometimes, depending on how big the event, it's 100 or 200 people. But that's something that happens at every single competition. There's a pit master named Tuffy Stone from Cool Smoke, who's very well known. On Sundays, he goes around and shakes every pit master's hand in every team and wishes them good luck before tournaments start. Little rituals. Yeah. This like could be a whole episode, like cooking superstitions and uh, oh, yeah. competition yeah. superstition kind of a thing. I love this. What's your favorite <laughs> thing about podcasting, Greg? I think it ends up fulfilling a need or a passion I never knew I had. If I knew back in college that I really wanted to do something along these lines, maybe I would have majored in communication and tried to get into terrestrial type radio. And this is now allowing me to live out of some type of a fantasy that I didn't realize I had the capacity to do. And I've gotten better at it. And the show has gained some kind of, you know, popularity and it's recognized for doing what it does. And, you know, that makes me feel good. Um, But, you know, in the end, it's just about covering the industry that I've, developed the passion for all the way back, you know, 16, 17 years ago and try to do it better every time. And it's such a enchanting form of storytelling, you know, like we said that there's so many topics that you can talk about. It can be about anything. And at this moment, it's still rather uncensored and conglomerized, oh, yeah. although I see that that is turning. But I think that's also part of the peel, right? It's like you you can do it totally on your own. And if you had gone to college to do communication and everything, you probably would have been like, you know, chained to the desk of like a 
crappy early morning radio show and can't ever see your kids, you probably would have had less opportunity in the long run than now, even though it took you perhaps longer and you maybe had to go the the longer road, but certainly more original, right? Anyone can just go to college and go to communication, do that. For sure. Well, the (laughs) pandemic is winding down, but Mm. there's still people who might be on the podcast train. And after this episode, maybe I want to start a podcast. So what would be your single one piece of advice or. Right. Uh, So I have five bullet points I would like to talk about because when people have asked me this before, I've always felt like I wasn't giving a really good, concise bit of info here. So bear with me here. And this will certainly help you along the decision-making process if you want to get into podcasts or not. So number one, most important, determine a topic that you are passionate about and then figure out how you can make that show repeatable and allow for broad content creation. We talked about this you know, towards the beginning of the show. And by the way, this is my podcast disclaimer for those looking to start one. If you're going to do a podcast because you think you're going to be making money at it right off the bat, this is where you quit getting into the podcast game. Just stop now. <laughs> Unless Don't you're some kind of celebrity or you have a huge audience because you're some type of social influencer or whatever, and you can bring a big audience right off the rip, you're probably not going to be making money at this maybe ever, but definitely not right off the bat, which is why it's important to be able to do it on something that you are passionate about. That should be the driver, not the money. If you're good, that part, the money part will come, but it's certainly not guaranteed. So that's number one. Number two, determine and then stick to a release schedule. Mm. This is maybe the biggest problem that I see after you get over the, I'm going to make a million dollars doing podcasts. You are excited and ready and you got so much to say and you release five episodes a week. Well, are you being realistic? Is the content that you're covering really allow for that type of content generation. If it is, then you got to do it. Make that decision right up front. I've been doing it once a week for 16 years and I can do it. So I stick to it. And that's where you build the relationship with your audience. Your relationship is predicated on the audience saying, okay, they're going to do it once a week or they're going to do it twice a month. And I know that twice a month, the show is going to show up in my podcast feed and I can listen to it. And that's where you're building this relationship. Nothing gets me unsubscribing quicker over a longer period of time is when somebody becomes a pod fade victim. They were doing it once or twice a week. Then it goes to once a week. Then it goes to twice a month. Then once a month. Then maybe once a quarter. And then all of a sudden they stop. Once you start being inconsistent with your release schedule, I'm, I'm out. You don't care. I don't care. That's it. So that's number two. Release schedule, then stick to it. Number three, get your gear. That's a little money into some audio gear that's going to give you a quality sound and not make listening to your show an audio hurdle. Number four, learn at the very beginning to go and get over your ego and make the show listenable for the subscriber. What does that mean? Edit, 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 edit. When you think you're done editing your show, wrong. Go back and edit more. 
if you have an hour long interview with somebody, just the raw conversation, do you really think that all 60 minutes are so good that nothing can be trimmed out? I say wrong. 20 to 30 minutes should be your target, maybe 35, but better to have a show that ends and have the listener be like, wow, I can't believe it's over versus ugh, the show is still going and it will never end. <laughs> Learn to edit. It's great. Uh, number five, get a media host who is IAB certified or at least compliant. This gives you verifiable stats to give to a potential sponsor. These numbers are not made up and they conform to the current set of criteria set forth by how a download is actually determined and or calculated. And this isn't the Wild West anymore when it comes to stats. You just can't tell somebody, hey, I'm a joke, it's 50,000 downloads a week. Now there's processes put in place where you can say, here's my numbers. I pay for these. They comply with whatever the rule is. So those are my five bullet points. Now, other tips, practice speaking. When I'm in the car driving to work or on a trip or going to a volleyball tournament or whatever, believe it or not, you would pull up to me in a car. Here's this guy by himself talking. Who's he talking to? I'm just talking out loud. I'm practicing my speaking skills. I'm trying to get better at the thing that is required for me to do a podcast, which is speaking. Also, try to get away from the sentence crutches like ums and ahs. Or my current favorite that I hate on right now is ending a sentence with so like, yeah. I mean, what the fuck is that? How do you end a sentence like that? And it is going across the country, perhaps the globe, in epidemic type speed. So when you feel yourself going for a crutch, take a beat, take two beats, and find the words in your head to use correctly to complete the thought. And as an added bonus, as you become a more polished order, people will correlate your command of the English language and your level of smartness. This is a real bonus for me because in real life, I'm a big dummy. But my speaking <laughs> makes people think I'm more of an authority than I probably really am. That's a win-win for me. And lastly, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, listen to the audience. If people are writing to you or hitting you up on social media and telling you things that they would like to hear you talk about or cover, do that. Remember, if you don't have an audience, you will eventually have no audience. Although Greg is completely zero on the woo-woo scale, I am going to look at his palms he's still curious oh yeah. yeah always so here's a photo of greg beautiful photo of greg with his hands the length of your palm is rather long and your fingers are relatively short in comparison this is a classic example of the fire hand and it's very interesting to think of someone who has a who has the barbecue central podcast actually having fire hands. The element of fire is representative of the idea of transformation and change. People with fire hands tend to appreciate or be the purveyors of change and transformation. The difference between change and transformation is important. Fire is actually about transformation rather than change. So change is, uh, I, I change the paint color on the wall. Transformation is I tear down the wall and make an open concept floor plan. So the idea is 
transformation is important. And when, when transformation is not available, fire-handed people sometimes resort to change, but that can be a little frustrating. The um, second element that's in your hands is air, specifically your heart line on your hand. This heart line is straight across the top of your hand and the separation between your headline and your lifeline. This air quality is a pragmatism. So it makes sense to me that you were zero on the woo-woo scale. The trust you have with someone needs to be there before you open up to them, before you're going to have a personal relationship. So if I wanted to be friends with you, I would have to show up on time, be an honest person, prove that those things are true. And that would have to be there for a while before you would say, all right, Jimbo, come over for a beer. So when we bring the elements of air, intellect, and the elements of fire together, this is the combustion hand. This is the hand of transformation of mindset. A famous person with the, with the combustion hand was the Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. And if you think about what he was up to, it was about changing mindset. In your own way, you are likely transforming mindset. And that's what really turns you on or what your motivation may come from based on your handshape. Oh. Thoughts about that, Greg? I think there's a lot of truth to what you were talking about as far as what I look for and somebody that I would let into my life, um, what they have to exhibit or show me first before I'll start to buy in. And uh, I am a big believer in communication. When you're talking about change versus transformation, you know, I can think of a number of different things right off the top of my head where, as you had said, it's, you know, the change is something that, okay, we change, but it's cyclical. It's, it's keeping to come back and that's a cause of frustration. And why aren't we transforming it um, in, in a means to get to a resolution? So, um, you know, I can think of that through work and, and personal life too um, happening. So I certainly agree with that. And then um, oddly enough, uh, I'm doing my own Martin Luther King thing right now with something that's going on in the barbecue and grilling world. And, uh, you know, I'm trying to make sure that people are seeing a particular situation, you know, um, from, from all aspects, not just the way one aspect is being pressed down by a, a bigger company. So, Oh, I love that. Amazing. Whoa, Jim, you hit it on the head. Well, I want to so talk cool. about how people can find out more about you, Greg, the services you offer. Can people consult? Like, do you offer a consulting service for people who are interested in doing their own podcast? Is this yeah. a thing that you do? Yeah, if somebody wants to learn about it or they have a concept that they're looking to soundboard off of somebody that's talked to a whole bunch of people. And I've talked to other folks that have nothing to do with barbecue related, you know, just from a conceptual um, to technical things I need. Um, and then a, let's call it a coaching type of scenario too. These are all things that I'm certainly open to doing. But yeah, all you have to do is shoot me an email, Greg, G-R-E-G, -E at thebbqcentralshow.com. And I can tell you everything I offer and we can pick the best thing for you. What about social media? How can people follow the Barbecue Central Show? Do you do a newsletter, website, all that fun stuff? Yeah, website is thebbqcentralshow.com. You can also subscribe to the weekly newsletter right from the main page of the website. That comes out once a week usually around noon on Tuesdays, just to give you an update on what's going to be happening later on during the live show between 9 to 11. It is a live show. 
9 to 11 p.m. Eastern. Uh, there's a video feed, there's an audio feed, but it's also being recorded at the same time. So the video platforms that I'll tell you about here in a second, auto archive as soon as the feed ends. So you can go back and rewatch the show if you just happen to be stumbling into it towards the end. And then for the audio podcast, hour one is released on Wednesdays. Hour two is released on Thursdays. And then because the show is in such a long life at this point, I have contracted a guy out of Michigan who makes a best moments show for me. It's called the best moments of the barbecue central show in 10 minutes or less. So he's, he goes in, listens to the whole show and then we'll listen to an interview and go, I'm going to pull out the best 10 minutes of that 18 or 20 minute interview just to wet the whistle, if you will. And then we always put a link in the show notes to take you back to the entire show. So you can not only hear that entire interview, but the other two or three guests. And it's a great way uh, for me to pull up older shows to get downloads, but then to let a new listener in, they get a quick introduction to what the show's like and how the flow goes, and then they can go back and revisit old shows. So um, socially at BBQ Central Show on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Snapchat. Video-wise, it's uh, slash BBQ Central Show on Facebook and Twitch, and it's slash RD, like Romeo Delta, RD Rempe on YouTube. And it's not Barbecue Central Show on YouTube because YouTube and I hate each other. That's the way it is. All right. Well, before we go, Jim, what's going on with you? So many cool things happening in May. I'm going to be in Chicago for Mother's Day weekend. Come and see me. You can book a reading with me in Chicago. I will be attending an event with the tarot lady, Teresa Reed. I am not presenting, but I am attending in the North End in the Uptown neighborhood of Chicago. So come and see Teresa Reed, the tarot lady there. If you're on my newsletter, you will have known about this. And you can subscribe to my newsletter on my website, thedivinehand.com. Also in May, I'll be in Dallas, Texas for the International Divination event. And I will be doing Studio 78. That is going to be a great time. May 20th through 22nd in Dallas, Texas. Check that out. What about you, Katie? What's happening with you? Uh, so I have some new patterns coming out and some new classes that I'll have digitally available on my website. So uh, go ahead and you can sign up for my newsletter as always at lightfromlantern.com or go ahead and follow me on the Instagrams, also Light From Lantern. You're going to be in Chicago and Dallas. Do you eat meat? <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, there yes. you go. Recommendations? I, I eat meat. All right. Uh, if you're a steak guy, there's a steak joint downtown called RPM Steakhouse. Hmm. Might change your life for the better. And then you can go to a place in Dallas called Knife, like the implement mm. at K-N-I-F-E. And uh, John Tizar is the owner slash chef there. That place will definitely change your life for steak. Uh, two oh, yeah. steak places that will yes. change my life. Yes. Ooh. I've been to both. It's coming from a place of experience, not just people telling me where to go. I, I hear me that. where to go all the time. <laughs> all right well thank you again greg for coming on it's been a pleasure and again thank you so much for just helping us get to where we are now and not sound like total shit so <laughs> appreciate it yeah i'm happy to help and i'm glad so you guys took the information and, and ran with it i mean for as good as the show sounded when it started it's tenfold better now and again it's nuanced stuff that people will appreciate or maybe they don't even realize they're appreciating but you're doing it so i know that they're appreciating. I'm so glad you're on. And everyone who's listening, I hope you found this information 
helpful. And then it inspires you if you decide to craft in the form of podcasting or YouTubing or any other kind of media expression. So thank you, Greg, again, for your generosity and for being here. And everybody, we'll see you next time on Knit a Spell. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening, everybody. And don't forget, new episodes of Knit a Spell are conjured every Wednesday. Learn more at knitaspell.com and follow our Instagram page at knitaspell. If you have a quick second to support the show, feel free to drop us a review on iTunes or share this with a friend. Jim and I appreciate your support and look forward to seeing you next week.